Well, good morning, everyone. Good to be back with you, precious folks. This is now my southern address, Florida. Um, somebody was asking me this morning, now, where exactly are you from? Are you close to Tim Hood? Well, Tim Hood would be, you guys are here, and you'd go over to uh, California. Well, I'm here, and Tim Hood, in Canada, Tim, Ho Tim Hood would be like in over in California. So we're not exactly neighbors, although we've known each other for a long time. Uh, where I'm from is a place called Sudbury, Ontario, and... Um, if you look at a map, it's always interesting. You know, you Americans don't know anything about us Canadians. <laughs> Not a bad idea once in a while to look at a map and go, who are your northern neighbors? Okay? And you look up and you go as far up east, okay, as you can. Well, Canada is larger than the United States. I didn't know if you knew that or not. Okay? And we have one-tenth of the population. But if you look at it, go not a line straight up from Florida, but almost directly north, you'll see a big uh, uh, body of water at the northern end of, of your map. And that is the James Bay, which is part of the, uh, the, uh, the Arctic Ocean there. Okay? Think about that. That's all north. That's where Santa Claus lives. Okay? <laughs> And go a couple of hours uh, south of that, that's where I live, in Sudbury. Okay, so now you got it. You can impress your friends with that. Um, and you know what? We haven't had any snow yet. Yeah, it's coming. I wondered if you'd turn with me this morning to uh, the, uh, the book of Acts. And I think what Malcolm was saying this morning as he just announced that we're going to go out this morning, um, later on today, out to the beach. It's interesting. You know how I came to know about Boulevard Bible Chapel? Anytime, uh, Rosie and I, well, my dad used to come to Florida here in Hollywood for 35 years. He had a place, and he passed away. My dad passed away in, in 2005. And uh, Rosie and I were in Hollywood, at the Hollywood Beach, just for a holiday because we were very familiar with this area because my dad always came here. And uh, about four years ago, we decided to buy a place in Hollywood. And um, we were going to Hollywood Bible Chapel. And we came down three years ago at Christmas time. And we were at the beach in Hollywood. And guess who I bumped into? Tim Hood. <laughs> and Tim and I had gone to Ireland together. Before Tim was even a missionary to Ireland, on his ver very first journey to Ireland, he was uh, looking at stalking out the land. I went with him. And um, we spent a couple of weeks together in Ireland. Of course, he went back and, and spent several years there. And here I am at the Hollywood Beach, and there's Tim Hood passing out tracks. And uh, gave each other a big bear hug. And started talking. He said, well, Tony, why don't you come to uh, Boulevard? And that was about three years ago or whatever. So thanks for having me. Good to be with you folks. Let's look at this passage that I know is familiar uh, pa grounds to a lot of people here. But let's look at it and just 
uh, in light of some of the things that uh, I want to share with you this morning. Verse 16, Paul is in Athens, in Greece. And he says, uh, it says here, while Paul was waiting for them in Athens, he was greatly distressed to see that the city was full of idols. Well, you know what, Paul? I don't want to say never, but I would say rarely, Paul wasn't into sightseeing. Paul was on a mission. Paul was an evangelist. And uh, he had a job to do. And it's interesting to look at Paul's heart, isn't it? Here we see in this verse that when Paul looked at people, he was distressed. When he went to Greece, you know, I, I've never been to Greece. I've been to Europe, but I haven't been to Greece. Uh, I'd like to do some sightseeing there. Um, but Paul wasn't so much into that. He was interested in people. And he was greatly distressed. You know, I was thinking this morning of uh, Mark's Gospel in chapter 8. Uh, at uh, Bethsaida, the Lord Jesus, it's interesting what he does here. He, he, a blind man is brought to him. So he spits on the ground and makes a little bit of mud, I guess, or with that mix with saliva, and he puts it on that blind man's eyes. Remember that story? And he asked the blind man, what do you see? Well, he says, I see men and they look like trees. So the Lord touched him again in the eyes. He said, now what do you see? Now I see clearly. I see men. And that, you know what, folks? I think sometimes we still got a little bit of um, mud in our eyes. Because we don't look at people the way Paul looked at people. You know, we when we see throngs of people, what do we see? Do we see people that are lost and on their way to a Christless eternity? Or do we just see ministries? Rather than seeing people as having souls that uh, need the gospel of Jesus Christ. Oh, that God would give us a burden today for the souls of men and women and boys and girls. Paul looked around and what did he see? He saw that the city was full of idols. You know what, folks? Things haven't changed, you know. Apparently in Greece at the time, there was as many idols as there were people. I mean, they just, their philosophies were, it didn't matter what you believed, anything went. But you know, I, I don't think it's any different today, is it? I mean, the world is full of idolatry today, isn't it? It might, it might not be in statues, but you know, when you look at, uh, at uh, idolatry, folks, is anything. Anything that takes the place of God. That's idolatry. And isn't the world full of idolatry today? You know, people today are, are I have all these idols of their careers, relationships, um, entertainment. You know, I... When they had that wedding, royal wedding there a couple of months ago, you remember that? Come on, you ladies, you liars. <laughs> you, were all, you were all up at 
Three in the morning, my secretary says, aren't you tired this morning? And I said, why? She said, well, weren't you up? I said, no. You know, but we're, we're, the, the world is enthralled, right? Isn't it? With idolatry, uh, uh, Hollywood, you know, and, and, and just Tony Martin's perception is that, you know what so often has come in, crept into the church? Is idolatry. I mean, we have become anorexic when it comes to the Word of God. But you can talk to young people about movie stars, about sports figures, and they know every stat, and they know every movie that ever played. Uh, you know what? But they don't know the Word of God. And so I think even as Christians, we need to be careful about that. We need to be careful about that. Paul looked around and saw in that, uh, so he reasoned in the synagogue with the Jews and the God-fearing Greeks, as well, in the, as, well as in the marketplace, day by day. He, he just, uh, Paul was uh, constantly, constant. you know, I look at my own life, brothers and sisters, and it, it, it shames me when I think of this passage. Because I remember when I got saved and uh, the light went on. And uh, it didn't matter who you were. It didn't matter what you looked like. It didn't matter whether you were walking and I would talk to you about Jesus and I'd, I'd talk to your dog about Jesus. Uh, I was so excited to be saved. But you know, uh, like the Ephesian church, right? It's so easy to lose your first love, isn't it? But not Paul. Paul had a burden. And it said day by day, didn't matter where he was, either in the synagogue or in the marketplace, he was speaking the gospel of Jesus Christ. And, uh, you know, he, he met a group of Epicurean and Stoic philosophers. Well, you know what? There was, like I said, in Greece, all these philosophies... Um, the Epicureans were the, the chief end of man was avoidance of pain. That was their philosophy. It was avoidance of pain. They believed in maybe an existence of God, but he certainly wasn't a personal God. And they believed at the end of your life, you just disintegrated, much like the JWs believe. No judgment. They get to, get, they get, they, they get to claim uh, earth, uh, but the rest of us just are obliterated. That's what JWs believe. Uh, and then there's Stoics. Uh, they taught self-mastery, right? That you you didn't get flu influenced by by anything, really. And their chief end was that, you know, that's Stoicism, right? It's Stoics. Like, nothing bothers you, right? Uh, I was looking at, uh, it, there was a movie out in, um, I'd seen a few years ago, but do you remember United 93? Uh, on September 11th, right? Uh, there's, a, there's a movie there, and it was interesting. As the plane was going down, this young lady is calling her mother, okay, on her cell phone. And her mother is, honey, don't worry about it. And I'm going, don't worry about it. I mean, the plane's going down. Don't worry about it. Everything's going to be all right. Just think of me and you together, and everything will be just all right. Well, that's stoicism, folks. That's craziness is really what it is. It's far from reality. 
but anyways, that's who Paul had to deal with. There was all these philosophies. And uh, I have a brother, uh, my oldest brother, uh, living. Um, he is um, he's a psychologist. And to sit down with my brother Mitch, I love him dearly, but he's crazier than the hoot owl. Uh, <laughs> I mean, it's just amazing. I, I, like I said, he, he's a, he, he is a great guy, but oh, his thinking, you know, he, he, it's like he's mad um, because of all the philosophy. Anything's true. The only thing that isn't true, according to my brother, is the gospel. That's not true. But it doesn't matter what you believe. Uh, except that. He doesn't like that. Um, anyway, um, we, we, let's, let's go down here. Said, uh, anyways, Paul is brought into a meeting with uh, Aragabus, and uh, he, he, Paul says to these men, uh, Men of Athens, I see that in every way you are very religious, for as I walked around and looked carefully at the objects of your worship, I even found an altar with this inscription, to an unknown God. Now what you worship is something unknown I am going to proclaim to you. Here's the Apostle Paul. And uh, you see the discernment here of this man. That God has given him wisdom. Because you see for Paul, and we see this through the book of Acts. It depends who your audience is. is right? So here's Paul. Um, for example, uh, I'm glad Tim is not here this morning because I want to talk about going to Ireland with Tim and going with very gifted men when it comes to going door to door. I'm not good door to door. I tell you, God showed me that, Tony, that is just not, you're not good at it. I mean, uh, I remember going to the very first door in Ireland you know, with Tim and a guy named Gary Weeks. I don't know if you know that name at all. But, I mean, these guys are like, and I hate to use this because it all comes from God. But they're sort of the superstars of uh, evangelism. They are. They're unreal. When they get to the door, uh, me, uh, I'm stuttering. Okay? Now, I'm good in an open air. I don't need a microphone. I'm good for that. But when you get to the door, well, you know what? I'm... I, I'm just not as good. Tim, he puts the foot in the the door, and uh, he's into a conversation within a second. I went with, if you think Tim is good, you should. I went with a guy named Frank, and I was I was hoping Tim would be here for this reason. I wanted to ask Frank's last name. Anyway, I got to go with him, and we went door to door at the University of Limerick. In the residencies. And this guy, like I said, foot in the door, he's into a conversation within a second. If you say hello, he's into a conversation about the gospel. Okay? And uh, it's amazing. And here's Paul. You see, it's the wisdom that God has given him. Because when he's in the synagogue, he had another message. It was the message that Jesus Christ is Lord of the, res the resurrection of Jesus Christ. And he would always bring these people back to the Old Testament. And he reasoned with the people. Of, uh, but the different message, and we see it here. As the Apostle Paul, now he is in with the, the, the people of Greece. 
And folks, they're pagans. But we live in a post-Christian era here, folks. I think that this is relevant for us today, is that we assume because we're Christians that other people even have a concept of what we believe. Folks, I'm telling you that we live in a society today. Well, it may be a little bit less for you folks here in the United States. But in Canada, there is nothing left of Christianity whatsoever. Canada is just like Europe. It really is. And that means that there is no gospel. Of course, there's gospel going out. But the people in Canada are pagans. And you've got to hit a pagan in a different way with the gospel. And look at what Paul does. He says, look at verse 24. This is so interesting because it's key. And I think it's relevant for us today. Because I tell you, when if you were to go door to door to here, or go to the university campuses here, or even when we walk down today at the beach, I tell you people are coming from this direction. And that is, here's Paul, what he says, the God who made the world and everything in it is the Lord of heaven and earth and does not live in temples built by hands. Folks, the gospel, according to the pagan, you come at them with the God of creation. You start right from the beginning. It's funny, isn't it? That... Uh, there was a letter that wasn't read this morning, but they've come from New Tribes, right? Well, the New Tribes ministry, you know what they do in pagan lands? They start at the very beginning. It's they, When they go into a tribe and they're invited in to come, and now people, missionaries will live with these people, they start by teaching right out of the gate. They go to Genesis 1 and 1, and they start from there. They start from there. And uh, I think it's important that we understand that. That in this day and age, that we've got to come back to that, in my opinion. Because people today have... Uh, they, it, it's a post-Christian era. Now, I want to go over a little bit of Paganology 101. Paganology 101. Because Paul was the professor of it. And he writes about it in Romans chapter 1. So let's just go over to Romans chapter 1 here for a minute. And I think it's important because if we understand where people are coming from, it will help us with the gospel. Understand where they're coming from uh, here. This is Paganology 101. Paul talks about where pagans are coming from. And he writes in a, a tremendous... Uh, dissertation here. It is. When you read it, it's brilliant. It, it can only come from God, right? And Paul writes here uh, in, in, in verse 18, For the wrath of God is revealed from heaven against all ungodliness and unrighteousness of men who hold the truth in unrighteousness. What Paul is saying here, okay? Paul is saying, here is where the pagan comes from. Here is where the pagan comes from. Uh, Paul says, I, I understand that you people are religious. But you're ignorant of this unknown God. And then uh, he says, you, you know the unknown God? Let me tell you about him. He is the creator of heaven and earth. 
And the reason they would not know this is for the following reasons that Paul writes about here in Romans chapter 1. He says this. There are four steps, folks, in Paganology 101. The first step is this. The very first step is this. Look at uh, verse 19. Because that which may be known of God is manifest in them, for God hath shown it to them. For the invisible things of Him from the creation of the world are clearly seen, being understood by the things that are made, even His eternal power and Godhead, so that they are without excuse. The first step in paganology 101, according to Romans chapter 1, is this. And every pagan comes from this background. I used to be one. I know what I'm talking about. Happened to me. Is that you... And this is why, folks, no one, it doesn't matter whether you go into the farthest reaches of Africa or you are in, in the United States, it doesn't matter where you preach the gospel. Folks, listen to me. Man is without excuse. Man is without excuse. Why? Because the first thing that happens to a pagan is that they suppress the truth. You know what happens? God speaks to every man and woman, boy and girl in the universe, folks. Every human being is spoken to in two ways. You know how they get spoken to? Internally, their conscience. God has given every human being a conscience. And then, 24 hours a day, they get the gospel. How do they get the gospel? 24 hours a day, even little kids. Everyone in Africa. It doesn't matter. They get the gospel. You know what the gospel is? 24 hours a day, God shows them the heavens. The heavens declare the glory of God. When they look up in the sky, it doesn't matter whether you're a pagan living in the farthest remote ends of the world. It doesn't matter. They have a conscience. God gave it to them. It's a gift. It's a GPS. That's what it is. I just don't like the voice on my GPS. Okay? It's British. There's a British woman on mine. I don't like it. But it does me well to listen to it. You know? We're driving into Buffalo. I might have told you this story before. You know, I think I know... Doesn't man think he knows where he's going all the time? And this lady is talking to me in a British accent. We get across the border at Buffalo and we're going to the airport to catch a plane. And my little GPS says, Tony? No, didn't say Tony, but it, that voice. Turn right at the next exit. And I said to my wife, how stupid is that? You don't turn right here. I've been to that airport a hundred times. You keep going. It's not this exit. About an hour later, we're driving downtown Buffalo, in round and round and round, and we almost missed the plane. Why? I didn't listen to the GPS. But God has given you a GPS. Everybody, you look at people, your next door neighbors, they got a GPS. It's calling them home. When they look up at the heavens, the heavens declare the glory of God. The gospel is preached 24 hours a day. And you know what, folks? Then they have a conscience. And their conscience tells them what's right and what's wrong. 
the innately they know uh, in the book of Ecclesiastes it says that um, eternity has been put into their hearts you know what that means folks that they know they know instinctively that there's a there's another world that this is not it that there's a maker there's a creator and they know instinctively that he is intelligent that he's all powerful and when they see the rain and they see the sun they know they didn't do it they know their leaders didn't do it they really know deep down inside their so called gods didn't do it I'll tell you what folks what has to happen to a pagan is that you know what he does? Click. He turns off. He turns it off. He suppresses. The first step in paganology is that a human being suppresses the truth. They suppress it. The second step is this. They become unthankful. Let's read about it. It says here... Uh, because that, look at verse 21, because that when they knew God, they glorified Him not as God, neither were they thankful. That's the second step. You know what, folks? You know what God wants from us? To be thankful. You're going to have a holiday down here. Canadians, <laughs> Thanksgiving is just a day off. We, we, we don't celebrate it like you guys do. We should. But I think even in the great United States of America that it'll be Thanksgiving. I don't think there'll be a lot of Thanksgiving given up to the one who's given them everything, right? You know what, folks? God wants us to be thankful. You're a parent, okay? The ones that are parents here. Isn't it nice when uh, your kids come to you and say, you know what, Dad, Mom, I, I know they think you're crazy when you're, they're teenagers, but when they get older, okay, or whatever. Uh, you know what I mean? It's nice. You know, Mom, Dad, love you. Thanks. I didn't ask for much, just a little bit of thanks. But you see, that's the world. They don't even give thanks to God. That's part of paganology. That's step two. Then the third step, you know what happens? They become... Uh, their minds become futile. It's futility. Uh, anything but God. Look at, uh, let's read here. Uh, the, continuing in verse 21. But became vain in their imaginations, and their foolish heart was darkened. You know, this is, this is our doing. This is a pagan's doing. He, first of all, he suppresses the truth in himself. He turns off the GPS. He doesn't want to listen to it anymore. And they become unthankful. And then thirdly, they become futile in their thinking. Um, the, I think the best example I can give you of that is evolution. I used to be an evolutionist. Hook, line, and sinker. Never even thought about it. Didn't think there was any other truth. If professor said it was true, must be true. Right? That was me. And I became an evangelist for them in evolution. Couldn't, the thought of a creator drove me crazy. That's stupid. Uh, anyway, uh, but when you look at it, it's, it's based on irrationality. It's designed to get rid of uh, the God of the Bible. That's what it is. It's, it's never an intellectual question, folks. 
When you meet up with anyone that believes in any kind of evolution at all, it's never, a, it's never an intellectual question. Understand that. It's, it's part of paganology. And you know what it is? It is literally uh, where their minds have become futile. It's, it's, it's literally a moral question. When, in, in Psalm 14, when, when, when the Lord writes in His Word through uh, David, the fool has said in his heart, there is no God, right? You know that verse, right? In Psalm 14 and 1, Psalm 53, right? Uh, you know what? All, read the rest of it. Read the rest of the psalm. It all has to do with depravity after that. Because it's, a, it's, it's not an intellectual question. Because evolution is not rational. It can't be rational. It's irrational. Think about it. It's not logic. But it, when someone tries to... to it, listen, you see it all the time. I love American politics, folks. I mean, I spend my time watching Fox News, okay? Up in Canada. Just because I find it interesting. Canadian politics is very boring. Okay? We don't start our election four years ahead of time. You know what I mean? You guys start with the election. Obama's been uh, uh, campaigning for four years now. They don't even get in office. They start campaigning for the next one. Anyway, we find it interesting. Okay? I just wanted you to know that. Okay? But, uh, you know, what, what, uh, it's, it, it, it comes down to when you, when you look at stuff, Okay, you got to understand where people are coming from because when you, uh, if for example, global warming, right? I'm looking at you. <laughs> it has nothing to do with global warming. It's people with an agenda, right? It's an agenda. I, I, I'm not even saying there's no science behind it. All I'm saying is, if you say something enough times, the herd mentality of people, they'll just follow it, right? That's what happened in evolution. Folks, listen, I'm old enough to, to, be, to have been taught creation. It was just assumed. But even in the Catholic system that I, that, that, that I, that I went to, by the time I got to high school, now it was evolution. It just was science, according to they. And, folks, uh, it's not, I can't believe in God, but now I won't. I won't. Uh, they do not want God as judge. Evolution, folks, can't be true for several reasons. One is cause and effect. As a scientist, let me tell you something. There's cause and effect. And cause and effect is, uh, you see a house, there's a builder. You see a car, there's a designer. You see the universe, oh, that's by chance. It's not logical. It's not logical. Uh, secondly, it's not possible, evolution is not possible, because of the second law of thermodynamics. You know what that is? Everything deteriorates. That's, that's what it is. <laughs> if you don't believe it, have a look at yourself in the mirror. <laughs> I, I, you know, our, our clinic, the Martin Clinic, is 100 years old this year. We celebrated that on Thursday night in our hometown. And, you know, we had a great celebration 
you know, I talked about my grandfather and a um, um, hundred years ago. What was he thinking? Because <laughs> he started his practice in the North Pole. No, not Timmins, okay, which is just about the North Pole. Uh, anyway, but I, I, I saw pictures of myself when I graduated. You know, they were up, they were on a, a sort of a, what do they call that, a slideshow or whatever, you know, up in the front of the crowd. And I looked at that. Who is that guy? Gee, he was pretty good looking. <laughs> that was me in 1974. But then the second law of thermodynamics set in. Okay? And we deteriorate. You deteriorate. And I don't care if you're Barbara Walters. And you get all this, you know, injections. You're going to deteriorate. And that's why it's not possible that evolution could be true. Because... It goes against the law of, uh, of second th uh, of, of thermodynamics. Uh, they, things don't get better; they deteriorate. And then, of course, I'm going to tell you one thing for sure: that Darwin would have got on his hands and knees and repented had he known about the DNA. He just didn't know what DNA existed. Folks, I'm going to tell you something: there's no one like you. There's no one like you. In every one of your trillions of cells, listen to me here. In every one of your trillion, not, not, like the American debt, trillions. Okay, we got a debt in Canada, it's billions. You got a debt in the United States, it's trillions. Fifteen, just to be exact, okay? That means every one of you folks that I'm looking at owe the, owe $60,000. Did you know that? Fifteen trillion? Three hundred million? You owe $60,000, sorry. You're in the hole, okay? Anyway, what was I talking about? Oh, yeah, DNA. <laughs> every cell, trillions of cells, every one of them has a chip in there. That's DNA. With enough information, every cell. I just dropped, there's a couple on, the, there's thousands on my Bible right now. I can't see them. But every one of them, has DNA in there. You know what that DNA says? Every one of them has enough information for 500 books of a 1,000 pages each. Every cell. Your skin cells. Your hair cell that you lose when you brushed it this morning. There's enough information in there. Folks. For 500 books of a thousand pages each, all individual information. And that's why who you are is who you are, and no one else is like you. And folks, listen to me. Evolution is not logical, it's an impossibility. It's a logic. And I used to believe it. And I'm ashamed to say. But you see, that's what happens. Uh, uh, when, when mankind, you see paganology, you see where Paul was coming from, you see what Paul wanted to do, he wanted to bring them back to the Creator. The one who holds this universe together, the Lord Jesus. And what does he start with? Genesis 1 and 1, the maker of heavens and earth. So here's what happens. They suppress it. They become unthankful. 
they become futile. And if you get to that point, folks, so just understand when you're walking by people, there's a fourth thing that happens. Now God gets involved. This is the scary part. God gets involved now in paganology 101. That's what Paul says. He says, look at here. Uh, professing themselves to be wise, look at verse 22, they became fools. Now God gets involved. What, look what happens. And changed the glory of the incorruptible God into an image made like corruptible man and to birds and four-footed beasts and to creeping things Wherefore, here's where God gets involved. Step four, He gave them up. God gives them up. You know what that means, folks? You know what it means? It means that in the fourth stage of paganology, once you've suppressed the truth, once you become unthankful to God, and once your mind becomes futile, God says, okay, now I turn the light off. Click. The light's off. Do you know that the Bible says in, in John chapter 1 and verse 9 that Jesus Christ brings light to every man? That's why man's without excuse, folks. But now, what God does, okay, you decide, okay, I turned off the GPS. When I look at the heavens and the earth, I go, it's beautiful, but I don't care who did it. It just happened. You take a swat at a mosquito and you're hitting one of your distant cousins. God says, okay, you want to think that way? You don't want to be grateful to me? Here's what I'm going to do. Click. The light goes off. Now you can't even see it anymore. That's what a pagan is, folks. The fourth stage is God says this, okay, now... I am going to turn the light off. You can't even think of it. And that's why the message of the gospel is foolishness. To what? To those who are perishing. They're pagans, folks. When you understand that, it'll make a huge difference in, in your life. Because you know what? God says, okay, you want that way? Here's what I'm going to do to you. I turn the light off. And now you do whatever you want. Isn't that true? And that's what Paul goes on to say. He said... Who changed the truth of God. Verse 25. Well, let me read 24. Wherefore God also gave them up to uncleanness through the lust of their own hearts. To dishonor their own bodies between themselves. Who changed the truth of God into a lie. And worshipped and served the creature more than the creator. Hey, folks, is that not happening today? We live in a pagan world. In Canada, I don't know if you saw this story. I don't know if it made it up there. A guy was, you know... He had raccoons coming into his place and they were doing big time damage. And so he went, he got a shovel, and he was just trying to scare them out of their, under the deck because they were digging into his home. And they were scaring his children. The SWAT team came. They came, you know. Well, seriously. In Toronto, he was going to hurt an animal. I'll tell you, it took the best lawyers in Canada to get that guy's sentence reduced. There was a, an attack in California recently, I don't know if you read about this, where a, young, a mother protected her children from mountain lions. And the mother was killed protecting her little child. 
from this mountain lion. And uh, they shot the mountain lion. And you know, there was more money raised for the little cubs of the mountain lion than there was for the orphans of that mother. Folks, this is paganism. That's, that's what God says. I'm going to turn the light off. And Peter is going to tell you at Thanksgiving, don't have a turkey. You might as well be cooking up your family dog. That's what they're saying. You don't think it's not happening? You don't think when you go out in this world today that they're not pagans that you're dealing with? Watch it. The last time I preached up in Sudbury, I said, I will give you a prize if on every major newscast there isn't a story about an animal. On every one. I said, you just bring me one, show it to me that they had no story of an animal being saved. Folks, don't get me, don't leave here and go, yeah, Dr. Martin, he hates animals. (laughs) I know. But I love kids better. You know? It, it, it never bothers. I, I, I'd love to be... I've got a radio show in, in, in Northern Ontario. And I'd love to interview people. I'd love to interview somebody from Peter. Say, okay, you love your animals. You want to protect them. Good for you. Now, what about children? Huh? There's 40 million abortions in the world this year. 40 million. 40 million. Did you lose any sleep over that? Okay, protect the animals, but protect the babies too. Oh no, it can't do that. You see, God says, "You what is right, you think is wrong." That's a pagan. Oh, you understand where I'm coming from here? That's what Paul was saying. He's preaching to these people who have become futile in their thinking, and the light has gone out. The light's gone out. Anyway. I could spend more time, but let me finish with this. Um, then he gives them over, by the way. Okay, gives, God gives up on them. That means he turns the light off. And then he goes, you know what? Go to it. Go to it. Right? And I'm going to tell you something, folks. It's unbelievable now, really. Right? What we thought was... Right has now become wrong, and what we thought was wrong now has become right in our society, hasn't it? Do you know that our Prime Minister, and I love him dearly, I really do, we have a much more conservative and godly Prime Minister than you guys have here. Believe me when I tell you that. And by the grace of God, we've got a good uh, uh, Prime Minister that, that sticks besides Israel. The best friend to Israel is not the United States of America anymore, folks. It's your, you know the people you don't know up north of you? Canadians, it's us because of our prime minister. You talk about a guy with intestinal fortitude is this guy. But you know what he told them? A good friend of mine uh, ran an election recently when, uh, when Harper won the uh, conservative majority government, which he has right now. Okay? And, and you know what Harper sent him a note? You do not talk about abortion. You, know, you do not talk about homosexuality. Because if you do... You you will not be able to run as a conservative. You've got to shut up because we'll never get elected. Folks. That's paganism. 
That's paganism 101. And God says, you want that now? Go for it. Do whatever you feel like. Do whatever you feel like. And so Paul brings this to these people. Do you understand where he's coming from now? Paul understands where they're, where they're coming from. The light's out. So he's bringing them now the gospel. And he brings them back. In the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. Folks, listen to me. And maybe you've never been there. You've been brought up in a Christian home. You, you don't understand these things. But I'll tell you, the world out there, they need to hear that. They need to hear that. That was the biggest challenge of my life. Was that there was a God. And He was going to be my judge. And Paul brings him. He says, you know what God wants now? He wants you to repent, folks. That's what he said. He said, uh, and uh, um, he says, uh, with, he goes on to say, look, at one time God uh, let this go. But now he's not going to let it go no more. He, he, he goes on to say uh, that uh, God demands that you repent. And the work of the Holy Spirit is to bring people to repent. So folks, when you share the gospel with folks, try to understand where most people are coming from now. They have no idea. They do not believe in creation. They, Bill O'Reilly there a couple of weeks ago, he had that uh, Hawkins or Hawkins or whatever. The guy's an idiot. Okay? He's an immoral idiot. Tell him I said it. Um, but you know what? It was amazing to me that here's O'Reilly, a brilliant man. He really is. He, he couldn't defend creation. He couldn't defend it. He didn't know. He called it the deity. You know? Like, he, he knew nothing. He, he couldn't have a debate with anybody about evolution. He, he knew nothing about it. Because you know what it is, folks? It's like anything else. You just believe it because that's the way it is. Right? And there's no more, there's no more debate. Debate, debate is over. Do you think creation will ever be taught in your schools here again? Do you think things are going to get better here? They're going to get worse. That's what the Bible says. It's going to go downhill, folks. So we we got to get those individuals out. God wants us to go and preach to individuals and show them that there's a God of creation and let the Holy Spirit do the work of speaking to them of righteousness and of judgment to come. That's what Paul is saying to the people in Athens. And it's interesting, there's three reactions. And it says here, uh, look at verse 32. And when they heard of the resurrection of the dead, because Paul brings that in, that there will be a judge and he's the resurrected one, the Lord Jesus. Some mock. Others said, we will hear thee again of this matter. And verse 34, and certain men believed. <laughs> There's three reactions from pagans. One, they will mock. Tim Hood was up in uh, Sudbury, uh, not uh, this summer, but the, past, the summer before. We brought him up, we did door to door, and we did a big campaign in Sudbury. And, and you know when uh, we, we, we went out to this public place like we will do today and there's literally hundreds if not thousands of people that walk around our lake in Sudbury it's a beautiful area there okay 
And uh, Tim, we have a perfect, uh, almost like a bandstand there too. And preaching the gospel. And you know what's interesting? People go by. I was looking up my barber. Just noticed him walking by. Tim's up speaking. If that my barber could have went and grabbed Tim and choked him, he would have. Some mock. Some say, you know what? I'll, they're procrastinators, right? I'll hear thee again someday, Paul, on this. You know, like, not today, folks. And I always remind people of this. Today is the day of salvation. Today. You ever talking about Christ to people? Listen, you're going to get a reaction. Some people will, will mock you. Some will say, you know what? I need to think about it. But I always remind people. If I go into the jail or whatever, into the, into the, uh, I always say, listen, you might never see me again. So let me leave you with this. Today is the day of salvation. Do not let your hearts become hardened. Believe in God. Do it today. And then it says, and others believe. Well, you know what, folks? I've been through that. I was a pagan, like I said. I had completely become a pagan in my life. And I mocked. Rosie would remember this, that uh, in my days of partying and drinking, if there was a Gideon Bible in an hotel room, and I was there with a pile of friends at either uh, hockey or, or baseball tournaments, uh, I would get the Bible out and I would use this voice to mock God. I was a mocker. Laugh at Christianity. Mock them. And then I heard the gospel. It seemed like the first time in my life when I was 30 years old. And I waited a whole year. I counted the cost. I don't recommend that to anybody, by the way. Like I said about earlier, you don't know about, you know, God, the very first time I heard the gospel that Tony Martin was a sinner and that Christ Jesus died for me. It came from a dear brother in the Lord that I'm going to spend a few days with down here in Florida. Uh, he, 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 he used to be my drinking buddy. And then he got saved. And the first time I said, John, what happened to you? And he preached the gospel to me. And you know what? The very first time I heard it, I knew it was true. I knew it was true. And I waited a year. And he thought, and you know what I did? I, I, I persecuted him. But deep down inside, I knew that he was right and I was wrong. And then on October the 14th in 1982, you know what happened? I stopped running. I asked Jesus Christ to come into my life and save my life. And the light went on. The light went on. I, I had written this, uh, this uh, little book on evolution. I called the publisher, you know. And I said, hey, this is Dr. Martin. I want to tell you I don't want that book being sold anymore. I don't believe a word of it anymore. And he said, don't worry, Dr. Martin. It's been a horrible failure. <laughs> We're not planning on doing print number two. That humbled me, but I was thankful too. The Lord is gracious, isn't he? Wonderful. Folks, remember, if you get persecuted today, just think of paganology 101. It's a reaction. It's just a reaction. As a matter of fact, a lot of times mockers. Paul was a mocker. 
Paul was a marker. Remember that. Paul was giving approval to the very death. Right? Paul was a marker. A, a mocker. So folks, God can change any heart. Just remember that. Preach the gospel. Live the gospel. In your office place at university, school. Live it out. Preach it out. Some will mock. Some might say, you know what, I'll listen to you maybe at another time. And the other ones. There will always be a group that will believe. Let us pray. Our Father in heaven, we just thank you, O God. Thank you for your precious Son, the Lord Jesus. Thank you, Father, for the gospel. Father, from the very beginning. We thank you, Father, for uh, the fact that we can read thy word, Father. We see, Father, the strategy of the Apostle Paul. To go to a pagan country like Greece, Father, and preach the gospel. Father, starting from the very beginning in the word of God. And, oh, Father, give us wisdom to be wherever these folks are that we ever get a chance to talk with. Maybe it's even in our own family. Reminded sometimes that the light has gone out. They can't see it. They don't understand it. And, oh, Father, it takes the power of the Holy Spirit of God to open their eyes that they might see the glorious gospel of Jesus Christ. Oh, Father, this morning, be with us and be with these precious folks, Lord. Bless them. Remind them, Father, of their own DNA. Remind them how much they're loved. Remind them, Father, of the great Creator God who is our Savior, our Lord, our Redeemer, our friend, the Lord Jesus Christ. It's in His name we pray.